Welcome to this topical life. Real conversation, real exploration, real life stories. A discussion about life, cause life ain't a vacation. And now, here's your host, Tiffany Murphy. All right, and here we are with the most awesome girl, Lindsay McDonald. Okay, write that name down because you're gonna to wanna to remember it. I, let's talk about how we met. I met Lindsay, um, gosh, through a mutual friend, really. And then your son, um, kind of, we they, they were in the same Bible study, Eli, such a friendly, like, <laughs> joy to be around he always likes to sit in the front seat he has Ask a little a lot of questions. yes he's a good conversationalist i was like who's your parents who's your mom and um and then i kind of got to see you from afar and then we hung out one night and um i saw some things on facebook and kind of put a name to a, a site and then here we are we um i asked her to come talk on this topical life because she's got a lot to say um, about abusive relationships, um, lots of different, um, avenues of that. And, um, we are just going to piece together different topics, um, not all in one episode, but kind of break it down. So, um, Lindsay herself, I'll let you tell like what you want to say, but, um, through the process of just kind of narrowing down the topics of what we talk about, um, we, I've, I just see that, uh, she knows a lot and, um, she's someone who, uh, has used humor to get through the hard stuff. Um, she's got a lot of knowledge and I just, I encourage you that when you're listening to this, that you listen to all of them because this is going to help your whole situation. It's not just like parts. It's like a kind of, you want to listen to it all. So um, we are going to start with, um, well, you know what, why don't you go ahead and just, yeah. do you want to say anything first yeah. before? Okay. So my story is just that I, um, was married for 18 years. We have four awesome, amazing kids. And I know every mom says that, but truly I think my kids are pretty, pretty incredible. Not because they're above average for any other reason than what they've had to walk through and come out triumphant. And they're still walking that road. We all are. But um, I was married for 18 years to a man who has many, many wonderful qualities. And um, I never dreamt that I would one day be divorced and have four kids 100% of the time and be under the label of single mom. That was never in my story. It was never part of my plan. We were the perfect little Christian family that <clears throat> people um, looked, yeah, looked up to and thought we had it all together. And we have many, many wonderful memories together as a family. But there was also a very dark side that became increasingly dark, which happens in abuse. It starts out lovely and idealistic, and it abuse never stays neutral. It can either get better or it can get worse but it never stays neutral and in our case there was a lot of hidden things going on in our marriage that were really destructive that I didn't talk about for 12 years I stayed absolutely silent on and I was terrified of being slanderous toward my husband I didn't want to um, 
belittle him or uh, make his, you know, hurt his reputation in any way. So I just kept very quiet. And truthfully, I didn't know what was hap happening in our marriage was so out of balance and so destructive until um, it was the summer of 2012. I was sitting on a bench on vacation with, we were at a cabin with my former spouse and our four kids and my parents and at a favorite place that we love in Montana. And I went down to a bench by the lake and it was late at night and my mom came down there and I broke. I, it was my breaking point. And I just said, I'm not going to kill myself, but if the car runs off the road with just me in it, I'll be glad. <clears throat> and that shocked my mom to the core because I, by nature, am a fun-loving, happy person. I tend to see the best in life, maybe to a fault. Yeah. <laughs> and so she, um, she was the first one who said, what's going on in your marriage is not normal and it's not healthy and you need to talk to someone. And she said, who can you tell? And I said, I need to tell my best friends who all think we, my former spouse and I, we are uh, the ideal couple and they have no idea what is really going on behind closed doors. And so my first baby step of dragging the darkness into the light was writing a long letter to my four closest girlfriends, all of whom were, of course, totally shocked because I'm, my, my mom and dad now joke that my former spouse and I should win Emmy Awards for our acting jobs. <laughs> yeah. So, um, well, I should say my acting job, I know. I covered a lot and I excused a lot and I enabled a lot. So that is, um, and then it was a six year process of just waking up to what was really happening, not just to me, but um, to my kids as well. And although, and one of the things we'll talk about is um, people with angry and controlling personalities or character traits have a lot of wonderful admirable character traits as well they are not monsters they're just very broken people who don't realize the destruction they bring and the destruction they leave in their wake um, and so it was a long six years of me waking up to the reality that the kids and I were living with and, and at that point with the six-year mark um, how old were your kids then at that point um, they would have been, let me do some quick math, uh, five, okay. six, seven, and eight. So we have four oh, kids. Wow. I didn't realize they were that. Yeah. The bam, the bam, the bam. <laughs> <laughs> yes, they are all 13 months apart and except the last two are 16 months apart. Okay. So, okay. So um, at that point, wow, they're really small. So they were younger yeah. then. And, um, truthfully, I, I think that was one of God's mercies in this whole thing is mm -hmm. that, um, my kids got to grow up with um, a lot of, a few more years of great memories because I held on for so long. And um, on the flip side of that, it was also a few more years of really destructive damage and trauma that was being done to them and um, that nobody else could see. And 
and half the time I didn't even see it. So, um, so fast forward to 2018, um, there were a lot of yellow flags along the hole and, and probably flaming red ones that I didn't want to look at and I didn't want to see. And I finally came to a point in 2018 because of um, a lot of secrecy that was happening that I just knew there was something else going on. And that's when I um, discovered a long history of sexual betrayal in my former spouse. And um, I almost don't like to tell that part of the story because that's kind of like the get out of jail card free for especially women in Christian, quote unquote, Christian marriages is once you have sexual betrayal, then people look more favorably upon you if you choose divorce. And so at times, I don't even share that part of the story because really there was so much hidden oppression for all those years that the the sexual betrayal, honestly, was like the cherry on the that, crappy Sunday. <laughs> wow, which says a lot. Yeah. So like you're, you're basically just saying that that was the oppression was so bad it doesn't even before even finding out the sexual betrayal that it it outweighs even finding out about the sexual betrayal the sexual betrayal was the lowest of lows for me for sure however i had already and you'll find this statistically it takes women about seven times to leave before they leave for that final time in an abusive relationship i had left twice already once in 2014 um, and once in 2016, okay. because it, our home was so toxic for the kids and I. So I had already left twice. I asked him to leave in 20, fall of 2017, and, um, and then I didn't find out until summer of 2018 that there was long-term sexual betrayal. Okay. So, which, truthfully, there almost always is sexual betrayal in abusive relationships, and we can get into that more, but... I think what can be so confusing to people, especially people in the church, is the hidden abuse. You know, everybody can see physical abuse and see a bruise on a woman and go, she's being physically abused. Right. But the more insidious, very confusing, harder to detect abuse is the emotional abuse, the financial abuse, the spiritual abuse, the verbal abuse, and and the sexual, the sexual abuse. So... Um, so I have various components of that that in my own story, but what I have, um, what I'm seeing with women through and through is there's multiple forms of abuse going on. So um, I my divorce was finalized last year in 2018, and um, I feel like in our situation the divorce was a gift. And even those words coming out of my surreal. flipping mouth right? So surreal. is like I never, ever dreamt I would be in this situation. But what I know is that the God I love hates oppression, and he frees the oppressed. And in our situation, we are freed. And so my kids and I, it drives me crazy to hear people say, you're a broken family. Because what I want to say is, actually, we're more whole. And if you want to use the word fixed, you can. I don't really love that word. But we are definitely more whole than we have ever been before. And, yeah, so. Amen to that. 
that's that's where we're at. And now what I has been crystal clear to me is that my story is not unique. There are women hiding, I mean, all over the world, but especially within faith-based communities because they feel like they have no choice and they have to stick it out in, in an oppressive or abusive marriage. And I use the terms oppressive and oppression and abusive um, interchangeably. The Bible talks a lot about oppression. Um, it only uses the word abuse one or two times, but it's one and the same. So now my calling is crystal clear to help women in these situations, not necessarily to even leave their marriage or, or break off whatever toxic relationship it is that they're in, but to say, here's the language, here, it, it, here's what may be happening to you. I'll give you information. Now you go and get yourself whole and healthy and things will become much clearer as you see that your value, your dignity, your worth is not negotiable, is not based on what that other person is telling you your value or your worth is. Because that's what abuse does is it makes you believe things about yourself that are absolutely evil and untrue. So <clears throat> I have a question for you. Like yeah. in talking about all this stuff and and flashing through some of the relationships that I know that have watched, that I've watched um, have to go through some of this stuff. When it went back, like with the church part of it, it's like, you know, so like they look at their relationship, the relationship's toxic. And then mm. they look at their relationship with God or like mm -hmm. in their faith community or in their like whatever. And it's just such a, sometimes it's just such a foggy line, yes. you know? And it's like, do you think, because I, because it's clear to you, God does not want this for you. Mm -hmm. And some, I feel like for some, it's just making that, that whether decision, mm -hmm. because I think it's like, God isn't going to like, like, okay. I had a friend who went through something like this where it was just like years of abuse finally got out of the marriage but for years it was like, it wasn't even so much about staying in the relationship with the person and working it out. It was like, God, do you want me to stay with this person? She was so hung up on that part. Mm -hmm. Yep. And yep. so what it, like, what do you, what do you say <clears throat> to that? Like, I mean, I have an idea, but like, mm -hmm. what does God say about that part where mm -hmm. it's just like, in my just uneducated opinion, mm -hmm. it would be that free will. Yep. Is that? Yep. God's going to help you in. God's going to help you out. Yeah. Um, like, I would say, like, what do you think? yeah, like, that what? has been a long, long process and journey for me too, because I was terrified of not following God in my story. I didn't want to lead my kids astray. I thought if I choose divorce, I'm going to destroy them. Do you think which, that, and that wasn't God talking? That was no, right. because even God divorced the Israelites, right? He's divorced somebody right. or a group of people. Yeah. And anywhere you see oppression in the Bible, the gospel, the very, the very go basis of the gospel is freedom from oppression, mm -hmm. whether that's our own internal oppression or um, oppression from an outside relationship that we have. But the very gospel is he came to set us free. Yeah. He did not come for us to stay in our oppression. He took the Israelites out of oppression. You know, he, I mean, you can look over and over and over and see example after example in the Bible where God frees the oppressed. Um, truthfully, the whole concept of God hates divorce is Malachi 2.6. 
But if you read the first part of that verse, it says, God hates a man that deals treacherously with his wife. But we don't ever hear that first part of that verse. Right. And so it can get really sticky. And, and the ch- church actually is just starting to wake up to the fact that abuse is actually an abandonment of a covenant. Mm-hmm. Who, whoever oh, is abusing is abandoning the covenants they made with their spouse. That's the exact reason God divorced the Israelites. And so a lot of there is a shift in the church to say, you know what? It's not just adultery. That's the easy, pretty easy black yeah, and white people one. people label it like, well, that's in the Ten Commandments so, exactly. or whatever. And it's just exactly. like, well, that's old school, but whatever, yeah. you know. Well, yeah. Yeah. But in the Old Testament, you see God giving divorce decrees to women who have been abandoned mm-hmm. so that they have some sort of protection to go out and get remarried should they need to um, or not be viewed as less than and, um, you know, the lowest class in society. That's why he gave that divorce certificate to those women. So um, so I, it's been a long journey, and there are people who speak way more eloquently and have written books on this entire topic, but there is a major shift within the church to say it's not just adultery. It is, we can see in Scripture where abandonment and abuse are grounds for divorce. And I was very, probably much slower than most people to, to, to get my brain wrapped around changing my thoughts on that because I believed God hated divorce. I believed Malachi too. Like those were, I was very comfortable in that theology. Right, yeah. <laughs> and, and yet I, I f- found my kids and I gra- dying from the inside out. And that's what hidden abuse does. You, instead of dying from the outside in, like physical abuse, hidden abuse, you die from the outside in. And I just don't see that as the gospel. And a lot of people will say, well, it's been your story, so you can easily make that you know, change in your own theology. So I would say, reach out to me and I'll send you all those awesome books. <laughs> I would just say... <laughs> Screw that. You make your decision, I'll make mine. Exactly. It is a very personal decision, and I will never, ever, ever advise somebody to stay in the relationship Mm -hmm. or to leave. That is between them and Jesus, and peace out. I'm not not part of that decision for other people. Right. It's a very, very nuanced, careful decision to be made. Um, But it is amazing how the church seems to be waking up to... Right. We had a, I had a friend who, um, went through something kind of traumatic and had decided to stay in the marriage. Um, and this person wasn't even a Christian. I mean, Mm -hmm. it was just like, she just was like just innocent person who this happened to. Right. But she was opening her eyes to God and, um, just kind of opening her eyes to maybe church, the whole thing or whatever. And this couple who are a husband and wife pastor and then the pastor's wife, came and it was me and um this couple and this pastor and wife whatever and we were sitting down and um you know they were all talking or whatever and then the uh, the pastor's wife leaned over to my friend and was like hey just want you to know you don't have to stay in this yeah yeah and I heard her say that and I was just like yes thank god yes because that was a freedom for her yeah to have a choice like yep. you have a choice I just thought that was so wise yeah you know yeah I've heard it. the analogy used, if a house is on fire and there's this beautiful 
um, super meaningful picture hanging on the wall of the husband and wife who owned the house. Like their wedding picture is front and center over the fireplace mantle or whatever you want to do to develop this analogy. And the wife is in the house and she can't get out either. And everybody standing on the street says, somebody go get that picture. They need their wedding picture. But they leave the wife in the house to burn. And that's essentially what leaving a a woman in a quote-unquote Christian marriage, giving her no freedom to say maybe God hates abuse, maybe God hates oppression and wants to free you. Instead, what the church has done and is still doing largely is saying, nope, we need the wedding picture on the wall more than we need that woman. Right. The marriage is gone. It's it's been dead for a long time, almost always. And it just makes me a little even fuming because that's just not who God is. It's not. And that's what, I mean, frankly, pisses me off because it's like, it's not him. Get it, girl. It's not him. Okay? It's not that guy. It's not the God I see in scripture at all. No. And even, you know what? And I have to say, I just like, there's been times in my life where God is bigger than the Bible. Yeah. It's true. There Mm -hmm. are times where Mm -hmm. things just don't make sense, but in some ways it's like, we're all different, you know, and there have been times where some of the gray areas that I've yes. dealt with have not been in the Bible. Yeah. They yep. just haven't. Yep. And so someone said that to me once, like, well, God's bigger than the Bible. And I was yeah. just like, well, shh. yeah, I guess he is. <laughs> like, he really is. Like, right. just, I don't know. Right. Whatever. But right. I just love hearing about that. I want to talk more. I want to start into the um, how to identify an abusive relationship. Which there is the million dollar question. Yes, because that's, you know, yes. yeah. Sometimes it's just like the same topic of like, how do I, do, how do I know if I'm an alcoholic? Right. It's just like, right. right. So broad, but right. um, go for it, girl. Um, well, let me say first that I am talking about the woman being the survivor and, and the man being the abuser, okay. but it is very much on the rise. There's lots of um, studies and such coming out that actually women are rising in being the abusive partner in the relationship. So even though I'm using the pronouns she and her for survivor and him and and he for the abuser, that's not always the case. So I know men are going to listen to this and go, wait a second, it's me that's the survivor. I hear you and I'm talking to these men regularly. I know they're out there. So um, just interchange my pronouns is my point. Right. so how do you identify? I think there are some, it's very, very important to take it slow and get educated. Most people in an abusive relationship don't even have the language to identify what's happening with them or to them. They're so confused. They are so filled with the lies that they've been told by the abuser that they're at fault. If they would just change this, well, then it wouldn't be so hard to love you. If you would just act this way, then I wouldn't have to respond with my destructive behavior. I mean, the lies upon lies upon lies that you're fed, to you, you come to believe. So unraveling all those lies in your brain takes a long time. And yet on the other hand, what I see is when a woman wakes up that abuse might be her situation, she is ravenous to understand the reality of what's happening to her. She reads feverishly anything she can on abuse or oppression. It's like the light bulbs are going off hourly in her life. Um, So specifically what 
what can you, well, and let me back up and, and give some statistics because a lot of people say, well, abuse is just like, they it happens to some people. Yes. Or not they'll put me. it to a specific demographic of society. Like right. it's poor people Okay. or it's within minority races. And that's just not true. Um, there's all sorts of studies. 25% of marriages are considered abusive. That's a, a center, a study done by the center for disease control in 2016. 24% of women and 13% of men report experiencing severe physical violence from an inter- intimate partner. So that's the physical abuse side of it. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. That's a study from the Department of Justice in 2016. Forced sexual assault occurs in 40 to 45% of battering relationships. Um, and that's a study also from the National Institute of Justice. So the statistics are... If they're accurate, which I believe there are, you, if you're not in an abusive relationship, let's pray you're not, somebody you know is. So to just stick your head in the sand and say, oh, this doesn't affect me, it's going to enter your life at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, so how do you decide? I think there are very specific questions that you need to, that one can ask themselves, or if you're the helper of someone that you suspect might be in an abusive relationship and you're trying to identify, is it just destructive or is it actually abusive? Um, There are some really good questions. I'll just name a few. And this is an article by a lady named Darby Strickland um, that gives you some questions to ask. Um, Sorry. Okay. Do you have the freedom to give your input in decisions at home? Or is your opinion sort of squashed? Or um, they might even ask your opinion, but then just quickly blow over it or never act on what you thought your opinion was. What happens when you say no to your spouse's request? Do you ever say, think about, I can't say no because of the fallout that's going to happen when I say no? And right now, this is resonating with people, I guarantee. If they're in an abusive relationship, they're light bulbs are going off in their head thinking Uh holy crap that's me um do you ever feel fearful around your partner now you may not be fearful of like he's going to hit me or he has a gun in the house it may just be if i say such and such the car ride home is going to be a disaster um have you ever been threatened physic or physically hurt in this relationship a lot of times we think physical abuse is just getting punched or kicked, not just, I mean, it's horrible, but we keep it in that category of being hit or um, punched or slapped. But physical abuse is actually a much broader category that we'll talk about later. Um, Have you ever participated in a sexual act against your will? Um, Sexual abuse in intimate partner relationships is so disgustingly common whether it is sexual abuse by neglect, so withholding sex in, a, in an intimate partner relationship in marriage, or asking one partner asking the other partner to perform sex acts that they're not comfortable with. So um, is that present in your relationship? Uh, do you, does your spouse blame you for things that go wrong? So if the suitcase isn't packed correctly, I mean, it it could be the minorest of things, but if you're to blame for that, 
and that is a repeated pattern in your marriage and you're walking on eggshells thinking okay I gotta turn the heat down and I gotta make sure that the kids are acting this way when they get home if you're you know we all as wives if if husband is coming home after us we do we you know we all want our house we all typically want our house in a certain way the culture of our house in a certain way but if you're there's a difference between that and walking on eggshells paranoid that you hear the garage door opening and you're terrified because you didn't have all the dishes in the dishwasher and you know you're going to get in major trouble for that um does your spouse monitor your interaction with family and friends this is a big one because one of the key character traits of abuse is isolation so you're isolated from people that your abuser does not want you to be in relationship with Usually it will be if you have strong, if you have girlfriends who have strong personalities, it might be them because those strong personalities don't really bode well for the abuser. Um, And so you might be isolated from them or maybe it's your own family. You're told that your family is is dangerous for you to be around or they don't help you grow as a person. So you, you really shouldn't spend any time with them. Even though they're perfectly normal, I mean, they sh- I'm sure they have their junk. Every family has their junk. But you're told not to um, have communication with them or very little communication. Um, how do you tell when your spouse is unhappy with you? What does that look like? And if you start to hear answer or if you start to think, um, I know I'm going to have the, the monthly allowance or the weekly allowance to go my groceries next week withheld from me, that's a red flag. That's not normal, healthy behavior. Um, do you ever change your behavior because you're afraid of your spouse's reaction? I think that's a big one. If you're truly fearful of not, maybe it's not a physical altercation, but it's going to be a verbal alterca- altercation with your spouse. And that's a repeated, general way you guys operate in your relationship. That's a red flag. So any one of these things happen, happening occasionally in a marriage, totally understandable. We all have our marriage junk, right? Right. And marriage... Oh, I don't. <laughs> your marriage is perfect, right? <laughs> right. Uh, no. Um, but when it is, you know, when it's, if we use the analogy of um, death by a thousand bee stings, if we had 10 of these character traits... Or these issues in our marriage. You know, we can deal with 10 bee stings. We could maybe even deal with 100 bee stings. But you start compiling and compounding all of these walking on eggshells and tiptoeing around and being careful that you don't state your opinion and carefully choosing every way that you speak to your spouse. It's death by a thousand bee stings. I could have handled 100 of my bee stings. Because I'm a pretty strong woman. Cause well, and that's like when you said at the beach where you were at your end. Mm-hmm. You were absolutely at yep. your end. That could be anyone's yep. end at different yes. times. Yes. And that's an excellent point because every woman or man, if they're the survivor, has a different threshold of what they can handle. Yeah. Which shows a lot because you can talk yourself out of some of this stuff. Oh, and we do. We're expert talker hours. Yeah. I mean, really, your own your own worst enemy at this stuff because you're like you don't want to face it, or you do want to yep. face it, kind of, and then you want to fix it. Yep. But really, it just is. Yep. It sucks. Yep. 
and we're terrified to face it and we're terrified of the fallout. Absolutely. And so we do. We excuse it. We justify it. We um, minimize it. Oh, Oh, we are master minimizers. So, but that's the, the least helpful thing to do in that sort of relationship. Would you say, like looking back, that with identifying what you're, all these things that you're saying, um, how early on really, like in your relationship with this person or like were the red, yellow flags all the way through the very get-go mm-hmm. or did it just yeah. start coming out? At, like when did you start recognizing like even ignoring it, but like yes. when they actually really did start to surface, yeah. whether you saw it or not? Yeah. Like how yeah. present was that? Um, in my particular story, and I, uh, I've seen it go both ways in women that I get to help now around the country. Um, in my story, there were, I call them pink flags. Oh, okay. (laughs) And I just carefully tucked them in my back pocket and ignored them because he was the guy of my dreams. He really was. And I couldn't believe he picked me, quote unquote, he picked me which in and of itself is a really unhealthy way of thinking. Um, but that's, that was what I was thinking was, well, I can handle that or I'll be able to help him see that that's not a healthy thing to say or a healthy way to act. He, you know, he really loves me, so he'll listen to me. I had all of those things when we were dating. I just turned a blind eye because I, I truly was madly in love and my ears and eyes were closed totally closed. Now, I don't regret any of my marriage. I, I truly don't. I have four incredible kids because of it. Yeah. I have amazing memories and stories. And that's, that's the most heartbreaking part of this. If, if these abusers were total monsters, it'd be easy to walk away from these relationships, Mm -hmm. but they're not. Right. And we have good memories and people get very confused. Like, well, why does a woman stay in an abusive relationship? It's because our personalities usually are such that we are the most loyal, faithful, believe the best type of personalities out there. And we love these people desperately. So it's this emotional whiplash of I love him and yet he, I feel like he hates me. So you're constantly vacillating back and forth. Wow. I've also seen it to answer your question, when did you start to see yellow flags? I know of women who saw zero yellow flags in their dating time and literally on the honeymoon. I know of women who have been raped on their honeymoons, had no idea. It's like a, a, how a flip a, switch. How does that even, like, it's like a something in the brain just like. Yeah. Yep. Jeez. Yep. Just... And it is not uncommon. Not uncommon. Mm-hmm. So the, the nice thing about abuse <laughs> in yeah. all its heaviness and weightiness and like right. ugh, who wants to talk about this not me it is it all has very similar patterns and so once you start to identify it and you've been through whether it's a family member or close friend or you yourself once you've seen it once you can pretty easily pick up on it after that because these abusers tend to have all very similar character traits and very similar um, methods to their destructive behavior (laughs) right well and that um the word that we're going to talk about the n-word narcissism (laughs) (laughs) narcissism Uh, i just learned is 
present in most all types of abuse. Yep. Is that? Yep. Okay. So, um, you know, a lot of people have different opinions on narcissism. There's a lot of blah, 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 but you know a lot about this particular topic. Yeah. And all, it just, how it bridges different areas of abuse. Yeah. Um, you have a lot of expert knowledge on that. So I don't know about expert, but well, you've talked to a lot of women. (laughs) I have, and I know some people. So, and it just, but that word is becoming more having a label, almost that a label to what is actually going on. Yeah. Yep. The word happens to be narcissism. Yeah. So, yep. And identifying abuse, um, as well, like the, some of the traits are narcissistic. They might not yeah. be a narcissistic person, but yeah. like, yeah. what do you want to talk about that? Like, yeah. um, I'll just, well, yeah. first to open it up, I'll share my favorite narcissistic joke. Okay. Let's because have a if joke. You don't laugh about this. <laughs> you're literally, you gotta laugh guys. You gotta laugh. You gotta laugh it out. <laughs> okay. So my joke is why did the narcissist cross the road? Um, so I have to answer? <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. Um, Give me your did, best wait, guess. Wait, why did a narcissist cross the road? Why did the narcissist cross the road? Um, he didn't cross the road. He made somebody else do it. <laughs> that's a good one. Okay. But that's not funny. So okay. it has to be funny. <laughs> <laughs> I did the real answer. <laughs> you did. Okay. okay. Because he thought it was a boundary. Oh, <laughs> there it is. Boom, boom, boom. Boom, boom. <laughs> Drop, drop, yes. drop the mic, drop the mic. Um, okay, back to our depressing topic. <laughs> oh gosh. Um, yes. Nar- Interestingly, narcissism is on the rise, and most people will attribute it to social media. Oh. The rise of social media, okay. um, because of this whole me focus. Look at my life. Look at you know you so can wait. So, do you think narcissism is something you're born with, or do you think narcissism is something that's created? It's created. It's completely it's created. created. Um, I mean, maybe somebody has character, personality traits that are more predisposed to it, but it is something learned for sure. And in your research, have you seen that once you have a narcissistic person in the family or a friend or whatever that whatever that person is, do you find that it is passed down from other generations? The behaviors are passed down. Okay. Yes. Behaviors. Okay. So, yep. okay. Back to what you're saying. Yep. Um, Yes. Okay, sorry. I had to know that real quick. Yeah, no, that's good. <laughs> I get a first row seat, okay? <laughs> I get to see her in real life. Okay. Uh, um, yeah, so narcissism is, uh, I mean, a lot of people get hung up on the term, especially in faith-based communities, because, again, that word's not in the Bible. However, you can, the Bible talks a ton about selfishness and debauchery and, um love of money, love of self, pride, arrogance, all narcissism is, is hyper, hyper selfishness. Um, The key trait of a narcissist is that they lack the ability to um, have any, have empathy for others, and they lack the ability to self-reflect. So those two things are pretty key character traits in, um, in identifying, well, is this just a super selfish person or do they really fit on the narcissistic spectrum? And I think it's important to say um, narcissism, it is a spectrum. It's rarely professionally diagnosed because the irony of all ironies is narcissists don't think they have a big problem. (laughs) You are their big problem. So they're not going to go into the counseling office to get diagnosed by a professional. 
Um, Which is why you said maybe marriage counseling is not always the answer. Yes, that is part of it. Okay. And we can come back to that. Right. But so um, how I explain it to people and what seems to help people understand it is it is similar to like autism. There is an autistic spectrum, right? You have high functioning autistic kids or adults and then you have it just there's just a spectrum of them then you have the low functioning mm-hmm. um autistic kids narcissism is very similar in that regard you may have somebody who is really hides their narcissism well and um they just have a few of the character traits of being hyper selfish not able to put their self in someone else's shoes not able to say, oh, I can see where you're coming from, things that emotionally healthy people just assume everybody does. On the other end of the spectrum, you ha- you might have a person who is literally cannot lose at any cost. They have to win, whether that's winning. I mean, the obvious one is a sporting event, but whether that's winning custody of kids, whether that's winning um, a job application, it, it, they have to win and they will do whatever it takes, even at the cost of relationships, even at the cost of people's souls, even at the cost of financial devastation, they will do whatever it takes to win. That's on the very other end of narcissism. And then most people, most narcissists will fall somewhere in the middle of that. Wow. Okay. So, um, Let's see here. What else, like when, um, with the narcissism piece too, like, like in a scale of like, would you say a narcissist, like, like empathy, non-empathy, like Mm. on the scale of like, well, can a narcissist have any empathy? There's the second million dollar question. Okay. Well, I'm just banging them out. I'm just like, good job. Good job. I had no idea. Okay. Um, there, a most people will, I mean, it's just a spectrum. I, I know of narcissists who can they fake c- empathy. They can fake empathy or they may have a glimmer of it for a second, but it's because it will self-serve them. Right. So Got it. it will be for some ultimate selfish reason that they're able to think outside of themselves and put themselves in somebody else's shoes. Like, well... If I let my, uh, pretend I'm the narcissist, if I let my wife pick the restaurant, then when we're going to meet up with our friends after the restaurant, I'll be able to say, hey, I let her pick the restaurant, you know. So there's always a selfish motive, and it may be 10 layers deep, but it's there. And that's, I mean, that that not that true of all of us? We're all selfish to a degree. Right. So, I think we can't throw the baby out with the bathwater, which is what a lot of um, people in Christian communities do. Like, well, we're all selfish, so narcissism isn't a a thing. But where the line in the sand gets drawn is, do you see any area of this person's life where they made a completely unselfish choice? And if you have to work really hard to find an example of that, if those aren't readily available you could be dealing with a narcissist. Yeah. Yeah. And just like what you had said that usually all types of abuse have some sort of narcissistic qualities yep. to them. Yep. So, you know, if you're, if you're questioning to me, that says, okay, if you're questioning well, is my person a narcissist, then 
maybe looking at other aspects too, not just like, okay, abuse in general. Yep. Is my partner abusive? I mean, narcissism, if it's really tied to just any kind of abuse, I mean, lots of abuse, different types, then you don't have to just necessarily label it. Well, my husband's or whatever, my person's a narcissist or whatever. It's just, usually, usually there's other indicating factors yes absolutely and so it maybe it's helpful for you to figure out is this a narcissistic narcissistic person that i'm dealing with because if it is you have to play a whole different ball game because they don't work like the rest of us they see the world as blue when the world is red so you really do have to take yourself out of your own emotional um, worldview and say how do they think and then you play to their game. It's a very, very counterintuitive thing right. if you're trying to learn to live in a relationship with a narcissist is what I'm referring to. Do you and know yeah. women that choose to stay in a narcissistic relationship? Yes. Yes. And knowingly, yes. like just knowing that they're think- they, they actually do the work to think like them. Yeah. Oh, I did. Yeah. So you taught yourself how to you, do that. You learn how to do it. Whether you realize you're learning how to do it or not, you, we become beautiful chess players because we have to in order to survive. Right. And we have to to help bring our kids up in somewhat of a healthy environment. Right. Yeah. Well, when you mentioned that, um, one thing that kind of struck me when you were talking was when you wrote your friends those letters, mm-hmm. like when I think about my close friends, I don't usually think about writing letters. Were they mm-hmm. close to you? Like physically? They're, nope, they're all over the country. Okay, they're all okay. So they're all. And over I the country, wrote so. letters because I couldn't speak the words out loud. You couldn't speak the words. Yeah. Okay, so that says for them being your people that you wanted to tell this whole big thing, like you had in some way convinced yourself he had had that. So, yeah. Like. I don't know how to describe what I'm saying. I like you really were convinced that it was really hard for you to be honest. Yeah. Oh yeah. It. And that like, letter that yeah, I read that letter now. It was all blaming me for everything in our marriage. Because I was I was believing all the lies that I was at fault for our marriage, that I made our marriage a a hard marriage that if I just changed if I just lost weight if I just acted different if I just if I just whatever fill in the blank and that letter is full of self-loathing because I truly believed he would be better off if I just killed myself yeah wow wow so I thought when you were saying that you were meant that you were just at the end of wanting to be married or like at the end of like the end of your rope as in I'm done dealing with this, but you were actually really done with it all. I was ready to go to heaven. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Wow. That is a, and that's threshold. very common. That's very suicidal thoughts for survivors is, I mean, we all have them. Like yeah. it's just, right. a, it's almost a given that every survivor, if they stay in the relationship gets to the point of usually like me, they're not going to go kill themselves, but they will have suicidal thoughts of, well, if this person just happened to hit me, might not be such a bad idea. And I say that lighthearted, but I felt the weight. That much. Yes. And it was all on you. Oh, I truly, 
I mean, in my, the depths of my being, believed all our problems were mine. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So your friends, when they got the letter, like, how did they? Um, They were totally shocked. They were totally shocked because, again, we're Emmy Award winning actors and actresses. Right, yeah. (laughs) Um, And they were, I mean, we were all navigating abuse together. So they didn't know what to do because they had never had even the idea of an abusive relationship hit their world, hit their inner circle of friends. So they were no more educated than I was. I just knew I had to tell someone so that I would stay alive. Okay. That was the reason I spoke up. And I knew in my gut that something was really off. I just, I didn't even have the words to say abuse. And it took me a long time to use that word abuse over a year before I could actually say it about my own situation. Because it felt like the big nasty word to me. It felt like, how could I say like a that? failure? Like yeah, or like, like fail? I felt like a failure and I felt like I was pinning a giant label on my former spouse. And that felt really cruel and mean to me. So you're looking at me like I'm crazy. Well, but I'm like, this is how we women. No, I'm just like, that is so crappy. I know. I'm on the outside. I know. You are the one in it. I know. I know. Golly. So. I'm not looking at you crazy. I'm just like, <laughs> what? The, that is so terrible. Yeah. Yeah. That sucks. So it, it, just getting the language wrapped around what is actually happening to you is freeing in and of itself. And then that's where a woman can decide, am I going to stay in this relationship and try to live as well as I can in it to the best of my ability? I mean, these women are strong. Right. Stronger than probably average women. We are resourceful. I don't yeah. know about stronger than average women, but well, we've we been have, trained to yes, be. Yes. Yes. We've trained to be usually very frugal because there's almost money tied, money tied to it or financial abuse going on. So we've learned to be resourceful, frugal. Um, we've, yeah, we've learned to live very quietly and keep the peace. We are awesome. Keep peacekeepers instead of peacemakers, big difference between a peacekeeper and a peacemaker. Nowhere in the Bible are we told to be peacekeepers. We're told to be peacemakers. Well, in an abusive relationship, there's a whole lot of devastation and deconstruction of the relationship that has to happen before you, the peace actually comes. Okay. So, um, but back to narcissists. I don't know how much every woman has to decide how long they need to camp out on that term and identifying if that's part of their relationship. It's kind of like, do you, you know, you're going to, you're making a cake and you can call sugar any, I mean, we have how many names for sugar, 10 different names for sugar, glucose, sucrose, you know, or white sugar, brown sugar. Yeah. So you can label it whatever you want. The important part is knowing and identifying the patterns of behavior that are happening in your relationship to you and how you're, you're acting in response to those. Um, these narcissists are usually very charming, very, um, well-spoken, usually, usually very intelligent, um, very good in public settings. So they have a public persona and then a private persona, 
which is what is so confusing for the onlookers. That alone is what trips out almost everybody who maybe is in that um, second ring of closeness to the family. to the family, where they don't know all the details, but man, he's such a nice guy, or he couldn't possibly, you know, behave X, Y, and Z, or he he's the one praying up at the front of church. Right. I mean, look at the all the pastors who are being outed right now. I mean, church leadership is a huge place for narcissistic breeding ground because it's a lot of power given to humans. It's a lot of control given to humans. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm surrounded by some pretty amazing church leadership, but that's not the story for a lot of women. They're surrounded by leadership who are narcissists themselves. So when they go and try to tell the church leadership, I think I might be in an abusive marriage, so over and over and over again, I mean, I could tell you dozens of stories of women who are just shut down, told to not nag their husbands, told to go be a better wife, told to pray for their husband, because either that church leadership doesn't understand abuse or they themselves are somewhere on that narcissistic spectrum. Well, and I imagine like a man too going to a pastor who's like that and being like, I'm struggling this way. I mean, can you imagine a guy just being a guy to a guy saying that about a woman doing that to them? Yes. Like they'd be like, and that is why, yeah, men get over it. Yeah. Yep. That is strong. Be this, be that, be, I'm supposed to be the head of my house or I'm supposed to be the leader in my home, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Yeah, that is why men stay quiet for so long. Right. Yeah. And these narcissists will do something called, um, is they're called flying monkeys, the Wizard of Oz, those monkeys who do all the dirty jobs. Creepy. Yeah. You can look at, (laughs) you can Google the term flying monkeys, and it's a very real thing that almost every narcissist does where they will gather a group of unknowing people around them to do their dirty work, whether it's um, portray themselves as upstanding people or, hey, let me tell you my sob story, but of course they're only telling half the story. So they gather these groups of people around them to prop up their own reputation, their own persona. Um, And women can be destroyed in those situations because they're having rumors all over the community about, you know, being talked about behind their backs. They're told people are, the the narcissist will start spreading lies about the survivor just to get people on their side. Um, So, and most of these flying monkeys are totally clueless (laughs) or mostly clueless to the fact that they're being drawn in by the charismatic personality and the lovely um, sob stories, right. if you will, because a narcissist is always the victim. He can't take responsibility for his behavior. He wants everybody else to be accountable for their behavior, but he himself is above all those rules. He's above all that accountability. Very common. Well, uh, and... I keep thinking too, it's like for people wanting to know, 
is this person that I'm in relationship with, friend, whatever the relationship is, is that person a narcissist? I think what I've heard you say that I found very valuable in distinguishing that too is evaluating yourself. Yeah. How are you in that relationship? Uh-huh. Because that is something that you can bank on. In what way? Like bank on as in like, well, you know yourself. Uh-huh. Um, you know, even if at that point you're not trusting yourself or like you're kind of feeling guilty or bad or whatever, maybe that would override how you feel. Yeah. But if the facts are facts, yeah. if I were to write down, okay, this is how I feel weird about this relationship. And you were to write down all the things you feel weird about the relationship and hand it to somebody yeah. and have them with a fresh eye be like, well, that is something to consider. Yep. If you're truly honest with yourself. Yep. You know, yep. um, because you're evaluating yourself. I mean, am I even, yes. is that yeah. true too? Like, I know because I think a lot of people say, well, either the abused or the person that is actually abusing, like they don't know, they, they want to convince themselves that they're not abusive. Yes. The narcissist is not abusive, that right. actually they're the problem. Right. But if you're questioning it. Right. Right. Then evaluating yourself. Right. In that relationship. Right. Yep. And maybe that means you seeing a counselor and saying, I'm wondering if this, yes. what do I do to evaluate yes. myself? Yes. Asking, and this is actually what the first step of my waking up um, back in 2012, 2013 was, I went to my three, four closest friends and started asking them about their marriages. Hey, for example, I got off the phone with one of my very dearest friends who lives states away, and she and I were on the phone for an hour one evening. Mm -hmm. And I came back in, and there was a major fallout because I wasn't spending time with my former spouse. Evenings were time that we would spend together, and he was really angry and upset. And I, the next day, called her and I had already written her the letter so she knew what was going on. And I said, hey, when you got off the phone with me last night, did you get in trouble for that? Did Was there a major fight that ensued because of that? And she goes, no, he was glad we got to talk. We never get it. We get to talk like once every three or four weeks. He was so glad that we got that time together. And when we do talk, it's we both have young kids at that time. It was like, Hey, I'm in the car for five minutes. Let's talk as fast as we can. <laughs> so to talk for an hour, she said her husband was really glad about. And so I started asking these really strong marriages that that looked to me on the outside like they were really healthily balanced. Mm -hmm. And I started asking him, hey, what happens in your marriage when when this happened? Or how would your husband respond if this happened? And I was always using examples from my own marriage I wouldn't always say that. Well, right. It's because like, I was so like, embarrassed. I'm just asking for a friend. <laughs> no, <laughs> let's be real. They all knew what I was right, asking right, about. But yeah. <laughs> and does your husband ever say this about you to you? Um, and that's when I really started to realize like, whoa, what's happening in my marriage is not normal. Is not normal. Well, and I'm sure too it was probably uh, – drowned in by the fact of having young kids oh totally. i mean totally I can, have i i mean there were a couple times i mean we have a, a good marriage but there were a couple times where in those kid years where they were little it was like oh, flat out war you're surviving yeah yes. surviving so like when yes. you're in survival and going through that mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, I yeah. can't imagine. I mean, I would. It's the perfect storm. It's the perfect storm. Yeah. yeah. I mean. Yeah. So. Yeah. The fact that your kids were the ages they were when you kind of started questioning would have been. Mm-hmm. You, you got through that big. Mm-hmm. One of your youngest was five. Yep. Yep. Five, six, seven, eight. Yeah. So yeah. not that you can't find out before, obviously, but. It was like we were just coming up from here. We didn't have anybody in diapers anymore. Right. We didn't have any toddlers anymore. A five-year-old can dress himself. So we were just coming up from air, for air from those super intense, hands-on little years. Right. And that's significant. Yeah. yeah. It's a lot of groundwork for yeah. lots of things that you had probably no clue. Yeah. You're just in surviving. You oh, know? totally. Um, and yeah. it's like a, fro- a frog in a pot of water. The... The, the temperature gets turned up slowly. And so all during those that first decade of our marriage, we were both training each other on how we were willing to be treated. And the temperature just kept getting turned up hotter and hotter and hotter until finally in 2012, I jumped the pot and I said, I can't do this anymore. But that's mm. very much, a, that's a good description of an abusive relationship. People think, well, come on, didn't you see this coming? No, no, no. Especially when it's mental and verbal and emotional abuse because it is so subtle and it is years of grooming. And it was happening to both, like you were, it was equal playing, like not equal playing field, but like you were. It's a dance. Yeah, So a dance. I enabled his behavior. I was willing to be spoken to in X, Y, and Z ways. And I didn't, I learned that if I stood up for myself, the fallout from that or being blamed that it was my fault or if I wasn't just X, Y, and Z, it, it became not worth it to speak up right. because of the, the fallout that would happen afterwards. And in turn, he's like, well, I can. So that just escalates his behavior. And it is a perfect dance where one person's enabling and becoming quieter and smaller and the other person is getting stronger and louder and more destructive. So now being out of this for like almost like a, over a year, like like he, divorce-wise, you've been out for a year, right? Not even a year. Not even a year. No. Do you feel like... We haven't lived together for, um, I have to think about that, a year and a half? Yeah, it'd be a year and a half. Do you feel like, um, I'm sure that process of, I mean, I think we're going to talk about that later, but, um, oh, and healing and grief and all that stuff. But like seeing yourself now versus how you see yourself then, has there been drastic change? Oh, I mean, that's probably one of the coolest parts of my job now is helping women. I get the honor of watching these women come alive like in ways they never dreamt possible. Right. I, I, I would have laughed you right out of the room had you told me even five years ago that I would be sitting on a podcast talking openly about abuse. Never in a million years did I think I would. I wanted to go crawl under a hole and never tell my story to a single soul and take this to the grave. So and Look at you. You got, well, your, you got your computer. You got your books. You got your... <laughs> you are like out here I will say though that women they when they start to come alive it is remarkable to watch them gain their voice because that's abuse they lost their voice right, right. so healing is just a slow long process of 
gaining your voice in a healthy, balanced way, not a domineering way, not a I'm going to go rule the world way. None of us really want that. We wouldn't be in, you know, those are like the power CEOs. Right, right. Um, We tend to just want health and wholeness, you know. self-acceptance. Yeah, yeah. So you'll see physical changes in these women. They start to wear makeup. They start to do their hair again. They start to... um, they start to like take pride in the way that their outward appearance looks because those lies are not being spewed over them on a daily basis. Now I'm referring to women who have gotten out, but even inside, even with women who stay in the relationship but are just getting educated and and realizing what what is lie, what is not. Yes, yes, they start to physically transform wow. because of what's happening on the inside. They're learning that their value and their dignity, their worth comes from God and God alone. And nobody can negotiate that. Nobody can take that away. That is the key. um, That is probably the biggest soul issue that these women need help with. And what I needed help with is learning that I actually do have value. And I was created in his image. I was not a mistake in the way that I was made. And every one of these women have to dig deep and start saturating on truths. And where I go is directly to the Bible because there is so much in the Bible about who you truly are in Christ, where your value and your dignity really come from. And when when a woman catches onto that, yeah, she's pretty much unstoppable. I I agree. I just even in my own journey, just like realizing um, God's role in creating a woman. Yes. Um, or our role in God creating a woman. Or however that sounds, whatever. Yeah. You get what I'm saying? <laughs> There's women here. I'm picking okay. up what you're dropping. <laughs> yep. That just like how powerful yes. we are, you know, yes. and how society's dumbed that down and yes. all that kind of stuff. And just, um, you know, Brian and I, we've never really bought into the guy being the head of the household mm-hmm. woman. You know, in fact, mm-hmm. his parents, um, I relate to his mom in some ways because his dad is a very solid, like, just steady he's, Eddie. He's steady Eddie, you know, yep. but she has a way of like steering the <laughs> ship. I mean, in a way, it's like, dude, she knows what's up, but he, but she has this way of like, depending on him yeah and then him depending on her yeah but her force of nature is looks bigger uh-huh. it just looks uh-huh. bigger uh-huh. and and that's kind of how it is in my home yeah honestly Brian yeah. chose somebody a lot like his mom mm-hmm. and this is how we relate so well mm-hmm. um, is that we very much look at our husbands as the equals yeah oh yeah, yeah. equals equals yeah yes. like he, Brian we are never a team. absolutely a team yeah and, um, it's, it, it's a, a dance in a good way. Like we both yes. bounce each other, you know, all that, but I can't not say that there's been a lot of belief, even not in abusive relationship, my value in God, not being yes. where it needed to be. Yeah. And I did make bad choices. Yeah. And, um, sadly, I mean, just the way society puts us, um, and I obviously now people are kind, you know, you know, everyone's kind of catching on to it and it's getting better and better. Mm -hmm. I think just 
mm-hmm. training our girls, training, you know, yes. training our boys, training everything, just yeah. acknowledging yeah. what it really is, you know. Um, but I'm, but I mean, I, it was a long yes. time to see that. And to unravel. Unravel, yeah. The, the lies that held you back yeah. from believing the truth. And they just, and the actions did not match up with how I felt. <clears throat> yeah. They didn't match up. In fact, it, they were ugly. So, um, so you knew uh, your actions weren't really who you were at the core of your being. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Like I didn't want them to be, but I was drawn to it because when you're not, when you don't believe your value, you can make stupid decisions. Yep. (laughs) So, (laughs) well, that unfortunately (laughs) happened with me. Like I made some stupid decisions and, um, and I don't, blame it you know I don't it's yeah. just over mm-hmm. but yep. it didn't really change until I understood my value yes period yes um and understanding yeah. your value allows you to the freedom to go back and self-reflect and to say I'm, I can actually be honest about where I did screw up yeah I mean abuse or not abuse we all play a role in the relationships we're in right and so even as a survivor I have had to go back and do the hard work of what did I do to contribute to this? What, where did I enable? Where did I just turn a blind eye? Mm-hmm. Where did I overstep my bounds? Um, that has been a, a good process for me to do, but to not over, over function in the relationship, to not overtake to not take too much responsibility, to take only what is truly mine. Right, because your tendency was to... Oh, I over-functioned. Yeah. Yeah. You were I like, over-functioned. his, his and theirs and theirs yeah. and not and this and that. Yeah. yeah. Everything. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and my, I had friends at one point were like, Tiffany, you're like self-sabotaging. Yes. And yes. that is really hard to understand. Yes. It's just so mixed up. But, uh-huh. Okay. So that could be a whole other podcast. In and of itself. So here's what we'll do. I'll come yeah. interview you and we'll okay. do your story on your podcast. Well, my story is very sporadic <laughs> and just years of this, not years of that or like, but yeah, you want to come sit down. I will and... insert myself into your schedule. Yes, 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 yes. Well, I just, it's part of living in this world. Yep. We are a broken, hot mess. Yeah. Yeah. And um, we're in it together. So yeah. I guess one thing we can draw from just even this specific episode is that you have got to find a community. Yes. Statistically, women who do not have one person who believe them, their chances of getting out are in the, I forget what the exact number is, but it's in the teens. You just need one person to believe you. So for all those people that are in the helping roles, Uh never underestimate how powerful your role is as the helper to say, I believe you. I hear you. Mm-hmm. Are you safe? Got it. And if she's safe, then you believe her. She will make the decisions. She's not looking to be fixed or rescued. She, her voice has been taken away. And the last thing you in the helping role want to do is continue to take her voice away and tell her what to do. She has to make all the crappy choices herself. But if she has one person who believes in her and sees her and helps her get to safety, whether that's emotional safety or actual physical safety, her chances of getting out skyrocket. Well, that is what you need to know <laughs> because that is says a lot. One yeah. person, my God. Yeah. Yeah. So anyone out there, you don't have an excuse. It's like be that person. Yes. You be know? that person. 
And um, so, okay, wrapping this episode yes. up, um, we are going to talk next um, about the messy road of grief. So oh, next week, another awesome topic. <laughs> yeah, so get excited, guys. <laughs> next week, the messy um, road of grief with Lindsay McDonald. And um, and just so you know, please listen to every episode that you're going to be hearing off of Lindsay McDonald. In fact. For some reason you can't, you can always listen back, but um, she has a website, lindsaymcdonald.com. It's as easy as it sounds. You have access to her, L-Y-N-D as in dog, S-E-Y, McDonald as in McDonald's, without the S, <laughs> dot com, okay? And um, we will have all that information, but there is, we can get you in touch with anyone that you need. Um, you can contact me, you can contact Lindsay. Um, we will get you help on any, any end of it. Yes. We will find a way. Yes. No problem. Yep. But, um, so yeah, we're going to wrap that up. Thank you for coming. Yes. Thank, thank you, you for, for listening. Being brave enough to take on these yes. totally crappy topics. Crappy topics that you speak good with. Like you, we, well. we made it as good as we could. <sighs> yep. Yes. Okay. All right. So until next time. You've been listening to This Topical Life with Tiffany Murphy. Available through Podbean, iTunes, and Google Play. Look for us on Instagram and Facebook. Donations to help support This Topical Life can be made through Patreon at patreon.com. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com. Front slash This Topical Life. Likes and comments are always appreciated. And don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We'll see you next time for more real conversation, real exploration, real life stories. Because life ain't a vacation.